at the most functional level, what we need to do as a global society is overhaul the core systems that underpin our society, the system of finance, the system of healthcare, the system of education, and even the system that's not really a system, but it is a system, the system called technology. Welcome to Insert Human. I'm Chris Colbert. As the former managing director of the Harvard Innovation Lab, I realized many things. And one of the things I realized is that the pace of technology-driven change is faster, far faster, than most organizations and most people's ability to change. That gap equals risk, vulnerability, and eventually long-term viability. And it's a particularly troubling gap in the three sectors that underpin modern society, banking, education, and healthcare. It's the biggest existential threat they have, and by extension, we have. Closing the gap requires transformation, and transformation requires a much better understanding of ourselves, because at the end of the day, all transformation is human transformation. That's why I created Insert Human, a weekly conversation with brilliant people about better understanding us, and in doing so, shrinking the gap and increasing the chances of a better outcome for all. Before we dive into today's episode, an offer to all the listeners who are leading some sort of transformation effort. I've learned that the key to a successful transformation, organizations big or small, begins with adopting seven critical habits. And while most of the leaders I've met have nailed some, rarely have I seen any honed to an innate, really effective level. To find out how you're doing with the seven habits, you can get my guide, The Seven Habits of Highly Transformative Leaders at chriscolbert.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all the listeners around the world. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Insert Human. And it turns out this episode is the 100th episode of the show, which is a remarkable thing. I won't call it an accomplishment or a feat. It's just a thing. I had no idea that when I started this journey back in August of 2020, that I would keep it going and that I would be blessed with the kinds of guests that I have had and the opportunity to tell my story and share my beliefs about all matters of being human. I don't know if you know the story, but in 2018, I was working at the Harvard Innovation Lab and was asked to speak at the Singapore FinTech Festival, which is the largest financial technology conference in the world, 60,000 people or so. I was asked to be the keynote, which was a horrifying, scary proposition, but ultimately I mustered up the courage and agreed to do it. And I gave a talk on the second day of the conference to kick off the conference titled Technology is Dead. And the gist of my talk was twofold. One, most innovation fails, not because of the ability to build the thing, but the inability to get humans to adopt the thing, which is really about the developers or the innovators not understanding humans. And the second point, which is really the big point, which is even when innovation succeeds, when technologies, quote unquote, succeed, they tend to carry unintended consequences, often negative or dark consequences. And that too is a function of us just simply not understanding us are not giving us sufficient consideration or due as we develop capacities that are theoretically designed to improve the quality of our life to forward human progress. 
The interesting thing is in 2018, I'm convinced I was the only one of probably 300 speakers at that conference that used the word human or humanity or humankind. And fast forward to today, to 2022, and it's a thing. You know, I've shared that if there's a word cloud on the world, I believe human or humanity or humankind would be the biggest word on the page. And that's something to hold on to. I also think if we look back at the last year and a half of insert human, I think it provides ample evidence or proof that there are all kinds of people and all kinds of organizations that are focused on bringing more human truth, being more human first in how they run their countries, their companies, and we collectively run the world. This human thing is happening in every walk of life. And I've realized through the course of Insert Human and through the course of my speaking and my writing that this is my life's work, that my intention between now and the end, whenever the end is, is to continue to lead what I am calling the human revolution, a revolution that is focused on first putting a spotlight on all those who are working on what I've been talking about, putting more human centricity into everything we do. Second part of the human revolution is about activism and getting people involved at a local, national, and global level. The good news is there already is a movement. The bad news is it's not big enough. And more of us need to engage, contribute, and participate in forwarding the human first agenda. And then the third piece of the human revolution is about creating events and the means to convene as individuals and organizations to enable sharing and the scaling of the necessary solutions to the non-human first problems that have been created. Ultimately, Insert Human and the 100 episodes that I've put on and the guests that I have interviewed have fed my belief about what is required to ensure that the revolution succeeds. And more specifically, what is required to improve the lot of more people's lives, to advance, call it a deeper meaning of human progress, to help the world heal because it needs to heal in so many ways. All those interviews and all that contemplation resulted in my realizing that at the most functional level, what we need to do as a global society is overhaul the core systems that underpin our society, the system of finance, the system of healthcare, the system of education, and even the system that's not really a system, but it is a system, the system called technology. All of these foundation systems are, if not broken, out of whack with an agenda that is about advancing human progress in a whole human kind of way. And again, through the course of the interviews and the contemplation, I arrived at what I call the seven eyes, the seven requisite capacities for any system to contribute in a whole human and truly productive way where productivity is not simply economic gain, productivity is whole human growth. And the seven eyes that I've come to realize, the learns from my insert human adventure are this. Number one, every system at a macro or micro level must be intentional. And if you look at the core system of education and coming out of my Harvard experience, there's a gross lack of intentionality in not just higher education, all of education. There's a confusion about what the purpose of the education actually is. 
So we need to reset our intentions at a macro and micro level in all systems. Number two, innovation, not just innovation as a moment in time thing, but innovation as constant adaptation. The world in which most of our systems were designed and built was a far more static world. And the world we live in today is perpetually dynamic. And therefore, any system, big or small, must learn and build an adaptive capacity, including the adaptive capacity of its participants and its leaders. The third I is integration, which is integration both within the system and across systems. Another flaw, I think, in human thinking is that all systems are discrete when, in fact, they are inherently connected, much like Mother Nature, which understands that a plant in South America has a relationship with an animal in Siberia. We need to recognize that all of the systems that underpin the way we live, the way we work, what we consume, how we consume it are related to each other, and they need to be designed with that symbiotic consideration. The fourth eye is inclusion, which is a fancy way of saying accessibility to all. Too many of our systems are, if not elitist, exclude massive segments of the population, either based on physical access or financial access or both. And that doesn't work when our intention is to support the progress, the evolution, elevation of an entire society. Number five is this issue of time horizons. And my proposal is all systems should be recast to consider infinite time horizons. We tend to focus on the here and the now, that's a human thing. And we need to focus on the here, the now, the tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow. Think about education, it focuses on preparing people for a job. It should be on preparing people for a life of meaning and accomplishment. Think about healthcare, its time horizon is to get you out of the hospital as quickly as possible. It is not about how to ensure that you live a healthy and long life. The six I is incentives or our incentives. And this is where we need to examine the motivations within organizations that propel or perpetuate systems and ask the question, are the incentives right? Again, from my higher ed experience, the incentive for professors in higher ed is really around research and publishing. It's not about quality of teaching and how well or not well the professor prepares the student for a life of meaning and accomplishment. And then the seventh I is what I dubbed individual responsibility, which is we cannot look to the systems to fix the systems. They are calcified, they are entrenched, they're holding on to legacy for dear life. And it is our responsibility as parents, as students, as patients, as rabble rousers to challenge the systems around us locally, regionally, nationally, and push them to redefine their purpose, their intention, and rebuild how they do what they do to promulgate a long life for more human beings, a better life for more human beings. The work that I did around the seven eyes in terms of improving or overhauling the core systems that underpin society prompted in me a realization that there's another definition, if you will, that needs to happen around what exactly are we after in our way of being? We understand the need for systems improvement to realize greater form of human progress, but what about the way we are as a contributor to those systems or a beneficiary of those systems. Out of that contemplation, I ended up 
crafting something that I called the new humanism and specifically the new humanism doctrine. And it's something that I capture in my about to be published book, not coincidentally titled The Human Revolution. And I just want to share with you the 10 principles that I propose as part of this doctrine. They're not etched in stone. They're actually intended as a draft for my fellow revolutionaries to participate in refining and ultimately sharing with the world. So here we go. Number one, we must put humanity first. Our ability to envision and work for a future that does not yet exist is perhaps the most defining of all human capabilities. Our humanity is the essential bridge between what is now and what could be tomorrow. Humanity is both our means and our ends. Our shared human intention should be sacred to us, to dig deep, to define ourselves and each other in our fullest form, and apply that whole human understanding to the technologies, to the innovations, yes, to the systems, to the social structures, to the relationships, and the decisions that will determine the health and well-being of all earthly existence. Number two, we must show up in person. Human progress requires far greater human connection, far more intimacy, and much less anonymity, including with oneself. We must live life by name, engage all those we can see and hear, say hello to others on the street, and overcome our fear, or at least hesitance, with strangers. Owning our identity, our role in the world, and our responsibility to be welcoming to all living things is essential. Our ability to connect authentically and at depth is another defining capacity of humans and essential contributor to our happiness and fulfillment. Number three, we must give and we must forgive. We all bring a unique and infinite combination of experience, intuition, and capability to the table. Our life's meaning is to make that contribution manifest, to serve, to help, to give all that we can to advance our human cause and come to the aid of others. We will collaborate freely, share openly, compromise often, and bridge our divides by letting go of our biases and our dislikes and offering in their stead forgiveness and gratitude. We will listen more than we speak, and we will do so with love and compassion. We will say and give thanks to others often. Number four, seek the truth. We must seek the truth, for without truth, we are lost. With truth, we can realize the full potential of the human experiment. The new march to and measure of human progress requires that we find our way back to the foundational truths that we share. Our search must come with a willingness to let go of our current narrative, our exhausting need for validation, and our inability to hear things we simply don't want to hear. Our need for certainty will be overruled as we allow the truth to set us free. Number five, we must care for all living things. The human journey is a continuation of the long road embarked on by life 3.5 billion years ago. We learn to see and comprehend thanks to that big bang and can learn to see again through the eyes of all living things. Nature is our mother, all humans are our brothers and sisters, and all creatures are part of our family. Inequity and abuse are anathema to our collective soul. We must honor life. Number six, we must take down the walls. We must embrace the interdependence between us, between cultures and wealth, between colors and beliefs, 
We are forever connected by DNA and the resources of a very finite planet. Our borders, our boundaries and walls are human fabrications built by fear and greed. Divisions contradict our shared truths. The punishing force of law only works when abundantly mixed with the motivating energy of that truth of what is right, what is moral, what is just. There is only one world, one resource, one life to be shared and cared for by all, for all. We must learn to love, not just tolerate diversity. We must stop waging battle for status and standing. Number seven, let us live slower, go deeper, and unplug. We will not fear doing less or moving slower and shall become more selective with our intention. We must learn to be alone, to contemplate, to seek the quiet meaning of our lives and that of all others. We must reduce our celebration of the trappings of modern life and replace our insatiable need for distraction, transaction, and convenience with an unabashed acceptance of the unknown and the joy of attempting to decipher its code. We will find the courage to let go of charged self-interest and exchange it for the good of the whole. We know that the edge of human progress is right in front of us. We just must learn to slow down in order to reach it. Number eight, let us love ourselves. All that we desire is within. We can rewrite our personal stories. We can change their purpose and pace. We can change our ways and the outcomes they produce. Our new story is a story of the heart, of connection, of weaving threads of understanding into all of our choices and decisions. That story is already within us. We do not need to force it, but simply allow it to be told. And when we do, we will know ourselves, we will love ourselves, and finally be able to love all others without condition. What we bring forth from within us is our salvation and the salvation ultimately of all humanity. Number nine, lead. We must envision the world we wish to inhabit and then work to make it so in whatever ways we are able, however small they might be. The butterfly effect applies in the affairs of both mother nature and human nature. Let us all step forward to demand the humanization of technology, to take the wheel of the hurtling forward technology train and to steer it to its best, most human destinations. Let us be willing to sacrifice our individual desires and overcome our fears to contribute to collective human progress and shared well-being. Let us leave with love for others will follow. And number 10, we must believe in us. Our unique capacities have led us to this place. And it is those same capacities led and filtered by human understanding that will get us to the destination we seek. As we work to live by the light of the new human doctrine, let us also define our intentions and the outcomes that are best for our planet, our species, our communities, and all the people in our lives, including ourselves. Let us push for the seven eyes to be applied to every system that we and others rely on, from our children's classrooms to the financial system that is the engine of the world. Let us be willing to model the doctrine every day and persistently pass its revolutionary torch onto those we love and those we do not know. For even when our intentions have been realized, the revolution will not be over. The future of humanity is an infinite journey. With our current tools, it is only an approach, but we will never arrive at the end. We can only learn what works by trying. Let us ask the questions as we seek to understand and to be understood. And finally, that last piece is the clarion cry, or at least the reminder to me to continue with the Insert Human adventure. I'm hoping that the next 100 episodes of Insert Human 
will be as helpful to me and hopefully to you as the first 100 have been. Thank you for listening and thank you for being part of the human revolution. Thanks for listening today. Wherever you are as a leader on your transformation journey, you'll find more helpful resources at chriscolbert.com. From more podcast episodes and my film talks from around the globe to my blog and books. And if you're a CEO or leader interested in getting my advice, you can reach me there too. Just head over to chriscolbert.com. Thanks for listening.